Today on Harbor Speaks, we're going to talk about Community Child. It's a great program that helps homeless single mothers with children by providing housing, education, and job readiness programs that can help them get back on their feet and gain meaningful employment. I'm Mike Herrera. For 40 years, I've worked in the nonprofit field. During this time, I've noticed there are hundreds of nonprofits, organizations, and individuals making a positive difference in their community. My mission is twofold to inform the communities of these organizations and to recruit help for these organizations. We're going to take a short break, but when we, re we return, we'll be talking with Tara Nierenhausen, Executive Director of Communities Child. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. I have in my office the Executive Director of Community's Child, Tara Nierenhausen. I can't believe I got that right. You got it right, Mike. Thanks. Hi, Tara. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike, and thank you for having me. Tell me about Community's Child. I always like to start when I talk about Community's Child at the very beginning, which was back in 2005. Um, I had immigrated from Canada. I had taken a job at a crisis maternity shelter in Harbor City. And while I was working there, um, I was doing research because I was writing grants for funding. And I learned that in 2005, LA County had 34,000 homeless women and children every night and that the highest number out of that was actually located in the South Bay of California. Now if you live in the South Bay you'd be a little perplexed because you think it's going to be downtown LA but in that study I found that the reason they sort of migrated towards the South Bay is because they can hide. Now if you're a homeless mom and you've got young children, you're probably homeless because you've already suffered a lot of loss, a lot of abuse, abandonment. So just the thought of social services coming and taking your children because you're homeless will make you hide. So there was a group of about seven of us Christians that were quite concerned about all of these homeless women and children. So we kind of made a pact that we were going to get out there, find some funding, and build a transitional program for homeless women with babies and young children. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you guys actually started this program. Yes. My husband, myself, um, and five other, five other Christians who just cared. Wow, that's amazing. You know, to, to get it off. Uh, how did you guys get started? What did you guys actually do? I'm really good at begging. <laughs> I will, I will ask anyone that I think can help to help. And I, I think what's really important for people to know is that you can all help. You might not be able to help financially, but you might know how to build something. You might know how to paint something. Um, you might know how to teach something. So I went out and started talking to the community about the vision I had for these, these women with the children. And our vision was a little bit different than the crisis shelter in that we wanted to house the women for up to two years while we worked on all the core issues that led them to homelessness in the first place. 
and also while working on those issues and the trauma that children had experienced from homelessness, we also wanted to have them advance their educations so that they could actually find sustainable income and wouldn't be back in the homeless situations again. So we developed a pretty comprehensive program. It's a two-year program, 12 pages of rules and regulations, there's curfews, no drugs, no alcohol, not even relationships because the women coming into the shelter really aren't healthy enough to enter into relationships. They have to learn first to love themselves and their children and to raise up and then if they choose to go into relationships, that's, that's great. So with that vision in mind, we just started canvassing out in the community and we managed to get seed money of $360,000. Wow. Yeah, from a donor that was very concerned um, about the women and children. We, um, I don't know if you've ever started a nonprofit, Mike, but when you start, it's pretty hard to get banks to back you. <laughs> they're pretty concerned about, um, actually they're concerned about your failure. They, they worry that if you fail and they have to foreclose on you that the people in the community won't like them um, because we do this noble service in the community. We actually found a church that would sell a property to us and the church, which was Calvary Assembly of God in Lomita, actually held the mortgage for us as well wow. when we bought the property. It was a kind of a home for the associate pastors, but they weren't using it anymore. So we kind of struck a deal. And so we bought the property off of, off of them. And then the seven of us went out in the community and canvassed everyone, right, about um, helping us to take this small house and turn it into a facility. It was 3,400 square feet and could house up to six women and their children. So I've been there. It's a very nice looking place. Yes, you know, it's in a real good neighborhood. It is. It's a great neighborhood. We um, strategically wanted it close in a safe neighborhood, close to buses, closest to, close to schools, close to daycare centers, um, close to adult learning learning centers. We started building that facility in 2006, and we completed it in 2008. Wow, that is pretty amazing. You know what was amazing, Mike, was watching the people in the community. Um, they would show up, like Skycraft Roofing showed up and they donated the roofing. Um, the I can't remember the name of the, the cement people, I wish I could because they were laying the, the foundation for the building and I, I know that I had to go to downtown because I had to pay school taxes in order to get the next permit. So I was downtown paying the taxes and it was really important to us. Um, even though it was symbolic to have the name of Jesus carved in to the foundation uh, because we really feel that, that Jesus is our foundation. When I got back, um, the workers had carved it every three feet at every threshold and the guy that owned the company said, I can't charge you for this <laughs> and drove away. Well, um, one stop, doors and windows donated all the doors and the windows. It just kept going, Mike. Everybody wow. kept showing up and they donated their best. Um, I was also concerned because I was told, um, I think I told you I immigrated from Canada, so while I was working at that crisis maternity shelter, um, one of the things I had to do was I had to go back to school here because I had no idea how to raise funding in America. I knew how to do it in Canada, uh, but I didn't know how to do it um, in, the, in the United States. So I went to Cal State and took the nonprofit management program. And while I was taking that program, they had advised me not to tell people we were Christian. Um, they had said that if you tell the large foundations, people that are going to give money that you're Christian, you're probably not going to receive the funding. Now, 
as a Christian woman, um, I felt pretty intimidated by that and wasn't sure what to do, so I actually prayed. Now, I will tell you that God has a great sense of humor because when we had that little house, we had to um, tear it down to build the big one. Um, so I needed an office because I was writing to grants to like the Weingart, the Ralph M. Parsons, sure. the Amundsen Foundations. And so the only place I could find an office was in the church right behind us. But the only office that the pastor had was a, it used to be the, I guess the changing room for the choir. So to get to my office, you had to go into the church, walk right through the sanctuary, hit the cross of Christ, hang a right, and go into the door. <laughs> so all, all of the grants I had written to the Weingart, Ralph M. Parsons, Almonds, and they all had to come in that way, meet me, and one of the first things they said to me was, Christian, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yes, I told them that we were Christian, and I also shared with them the story of the woman at the well, which is where um, Jesus actually meets the Sumerian woman who is an outcast. Um, men didn't even speak to women like that. She had many, many men that she was living with. Um, and Jesus never shamed her. He just met her right where she was at and helped her, gave her a better way of life. So I was actually able to tell the program officers that that was the kind of agency we wanted. We wanted to just meet the women and the children right where they were at with a ministry of love and restoration and, and never shame them. And I knew that if we were Christian and those working alongside of me were Christian, that would always be their, their motive. So they gave 125,000, 75,000, 50,000, and they still fund Communities Child today. And I think that what I would want your listeners to know is just because we're Christian, doesn't mean we exclude people. It actually means the opposite. We include everyone. Um, just yesterday, uh, I had a young lady, um, who won't mind that I say her name, Zanetta, come and visit me. Zanetta was one of the first women that I worked with. Zanetta, um, just a, a lot of stuff she's gone through in her life. Um, so Zanetta is in the midst of, of doing a gender change. And um, she came to see me She's just moved into the Long Beach area with her, her three children, and um, we were talking uh, about all the things that she's going through in her life with this. And one of the things I asked her to do was to please write me a letter of support that I could use when I'm, when I'm applying for grants and that people could understand that I'm not looking at what's on the outside. We're always looking at the heart and what's on the inside. And so I think that people have this perception that Christians will shun people because of their choices and we are actually told we're to love them all right and not to judge. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah. so you know basically I see that you have transitional housing it's for two years what do you what do you try to do in those two years? In the two years when they first come in um, we kind of do a pretty big assessment we're taking a look at all of their skills we're, we're taking first of all a look at all the trauma abandonment domestic violence, whatever issues first brought them to homelessness. Then we're looking at their educational levels, we're looking at their parenting skills, we're looking at their life skills. So we do a pretty big um, holistic kind of all area assessment. And then we do um, kind of an individualized plan for each one of them. They actually meet with a case manager once a week. They have at least three goals that they're working on. And at the beginning, the goal might be going over to um, get CalFresh 
for their children and maybe going to look at the, at the different educational opportunities that are out there for them. Um, it may be going and doing the assessment with the TIES program, which is trauma counseling for the mom and their children. And then later, as they progress, it may be that um, they're now going to increase their caseload, um, I mean, pardon me, their, their academic load from two classes to now they're going to full-time school uh, as, they're, as they're moving along. So they have to do individual counseling, they have to do group counseling, they have to do family counseling, they have to go to school to an equivalent of full-time, they have to do, we have classes on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in the shelter that can be anything from communication skills, um, things like learning how to uh, budget money, I'm drawing a blank, <laughs> but I, sort of all the skills that they would need. So we've got, um, let's see, communication, budgeting, time management, organizational skills, parenting classes, a lot of different classes that they attend, nutrition. Um, so they, it sounds like you have the whole gamut right there. At we, we do, and they, they are also responsible for um, the housekeeping and the cleaning of the shelter oh, so, and they get a, get used to a real regular routine you know the children are in bed by eight everybody's up by six it's very structured they also we have something that's called a forced savings program so any income that the women receive I would say that 80% of it they put into our forced savings program so at the end of the program the goal here is that they will have this substantial nest egg to be able to pay first last maybe yes. get a car and never have to experience homelessness again because they've had all the skills too around budgeting and saving and uh, not living above their means, understanding what that means. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So yeah, you're not only getting them ready to move out, but you're also helping them set set them up for the next step. We do. Which we is do. Good. Our our and our success rate is huge, Mike. We um, our, so, one how, of our how many do you actually work with in a year? It changes, but typically it's 34 to 36 women and children in the shelter per year. And then we have our alumni, so those that graduate also stay in touch, so they may want to come back and do some counseling. They may want, you know, different issues come up. They also may want to attend a parenting class, different things, right? So um, we're we're pretty busy. I, I think I looked at the statistics just before I left and it was like over, I think like 228 women and children since we've opened our doors. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and um, our first graduate, you know, she's our bachelor's in um, business. Um, another graduate just finished, um, just, just completing her master's degree and actually was hired by Toyota, um, who was one of our, our biggest sponsors. She wow. did a, an internship with them and so she's moved on to Texas and she just bought a house Mike. Isn't that amazing? Right? Yeah and we have many many success stories. From like home that. is to house then? Yes. Wow yes. that's great. So uh, these, these people that help sponsor how did you actually get them to be interested in helping? The, okay, the, the people that sponsor, um, well, I go out and I talk to them a lot. I go and tell them about what we're doing. Um, I have a package of, of different, because different people will want to fund different things, sure. right? Someone might want to fund education. Someone might want to fund the counseling for the children. Someone might want to provide the clothing for the children, or the shoes for the children. Um, some people might want to provide the career clothing for um, the moms as they're getting ready to go out for job interviews. 
right? And um, and I think the other part that I need to add here is when I was over at that that church um, while they were building the shelter, right? Because it had to get torn down and got brought up to the thirty, I think it's thirty four, thirty seven hundred square feet that it is now. Um, there was a little bit of a catch to having that office. The uh, pastor told me in order to have that, um, he was going to start sending anybody kind of in the South Bay area that had a need that would knock on his door to my door. Um, my background is, is social work and special ed, so he was like, well, I'm going to send them to you, Tara. So within that um, time that the shelter was being built, uh, Community's Child ended up with over 120 families in the community wow. that we were supporting. We started by doing a food pantry um, in that church, reopening the food pantry there. Um, but you know, you can't just feed people food, you gotta teach them how to fish, Mike. Yeah. So um, we were teaching the families, uh, we started using the church during the day, the classrooms, the gymnasiums that were empty during the day. Uh, so we were teaching ESL, we were teaching parenting, we were teaching adult literacy, we were teaching pre-vocational skills. So that 120 over, gee, I guess about 10 years, grew to over 1,200 families. Um, and at that point, the pastor said, time to go. <laughs> so about three years ago, we purchased a community center in Torrance. And that community center um, serves over 2,417 individuals every year. And again, it's ESL, it's parenting, it's, um, it, it's Healthy Families, which is a, a really great program because that deals with all the issues that low-income families, all the stressors that they are facing. Most of the families we work with are two-parent families three children, wow. uh, mom and dad work, um, but they are at entry level positions, so the average income is like twelve to 15000 a year, and I don't know how they make it. So that food pantry that we had is much more expanded, um, and also we do clothing and hygiene, and then through all of this we developed a relationship with Torrance Memorial. Uh, about five or six years ago Torrance Memorial had the EDs locally come in to talk about um, what we were seeing as the biggest needs in the community. What came out of that was about five years ago a lot of us including the hospitals were noticing that many of the school-aged children were showing signs of failure to thrive and um, Torrance Memorial wanted uh, an organization to partner with to find out why. So. Um, I stuck up my hand and so we formed this partnership with Torrance Memorial which meant that every spring now we actually, Torrance Memorial hosts Communities Child's Health Screening and Services Program. That's where up to 250 families that we're working with come in, bring their children, um, there's full labs that happen, there's um, kind of physical exams, there's dental exams, there's vision exams, there's mental health exams. So um, during this process, and they get the results right then and there too, it's, it's quite, and then they meet with the physicians to go over well, where, what do we do from here and do planning. What came up was that 27% of the children and their moms were testing positive for anemia because of really poor nutrition. Now if you know anything about anemia, and um, I know it because of my special ed background, long-term anemia in children actually turns to permanent cognitive disabilities. 
So we decided right then and there at that, that time of testing that we were going to do something to help prevent anemia um, and try and combat anemia in these children. So we started a program called Healthy Bags. And we started Healthy Bags in cooperation with the Torrance School District and the LA Unified School District. So we meet with principals, social workers, health nurses, and they determine in the school which children are really food insecure and probably going home on Fridays to empty cupboards. These are the same children that, of course, were testing positive for anemia. So what we started doing is we started packing bags filled with nutrient-dense foods, groceries. So there's no fillers in there. It is all um, high-end, expensive, iron-enriched, um, full of protein foods. And we deliver um, last year over 200 bags a week to children in need. The really cool part is after four years, we saw the anemia go from 27 down to 4%. Wow. Yeah, and, and it wasn't just so because... You guys are attacking everything right now. It's, it's, <laughs> it seems to have snowballed from a, a small residential place into a, helping the total community couple. You know, you've gone from you know four or five families to almost two, 3,000. Correct. Wow. Correct. That's, we can't house them all. Yeah. Right. We couldn't house them all. We saw the need, couldn't house them all. But what we can do is we can help them to the best of our ability. Um, we also taught the parents about nutrition along with their children. And we actually had the parents work with the children in preparing the food together so that the children would actually eat the food. So it's not just delivering a bag. Again, it's the whole education component. Um, and then, you know, we're working with the parents to help raise their standard of living, too, through the ESL, the adult literacy, the pre-vocational. Right, so helping them to get better jobs as well. So it's it's a pretty holistic approach. And then again, those families we were noticing through the health screening and the behavioral component that they were experiencing a lot of stress, Mike, from being very um, from being poor, yes, right, yeah. for a long time, and it was starting to cause conflict within the family home. Right, I mean, if you're stressed a lot, you yell, you might drink. So um, we actually were were very blessed to receive um, a startup grant from Kaiser to take a look at what was going on with these families and see if we couldn't do some almost domestic violence prevention programs. We um, got funding for 50 families. Uh, we were really hoping and praying that they would show up and the dads would show up. 97 Mike showed up, 97 really? families with wow. the dads. They all fully participated. When they first came in, the first session they came in for, everybody looked really stressed at the very end of the sort of two months of doing this program, it looked like date night. Um, really? The transition and change in the families was great. We still have a, a core, we still offer this program, and we usually have a core of about eight to 12 families that want further assistance, so we, we kind of go the extra effort with them. Um, but what we're, the results is we're seeing families stay together. Exactly. We're seeing families healthy. We're seeing less depression, less threats of suicide. We're seeing children excel better in school, not just because of the nutrition, but also because family home is better. We had a dad come to um, one of our events and actually speak um, at our event to our donors to thank them because it was the first time in like 15 years that someone, an agency actually stopped to say, hey dad, how are you doing, uh -huh. right? And actually come behind the entire family and support him. He was in tears when he was thanking um, our donors for their for their um, their gifts, right? Their, their gifts of um, uh, That's hope. pretty awesome. Now, now, you know, 
I seen all this happening. I've watched you over the years. I've seen it snowball into this huge organization. Um, but you're not doing this by yourself. So tell me about your no, staff. No, I have, we have, we're not a big staff. We actually, Mike, there's only six of us. There's all those people, only six full-time staff, but you know what we have? Over 900 volunteers from the community. So my staff team, um, there's Dee Dee, who is the program director. There's Irma, who's doing case management. Terry, who does bookkeeping, and trust me, we need that bookkeeping to keep track of all those donations and donors. Um, and we have two house managers, Sonia and Letty. And that's, wow. that's our team. And we, um, we, well, we actually have one staff who's, who's off um, right now too, right? Amy, who was doing healthy bags, but she sort of injured herself. And so we're praying that, that Amy's gonna be able to come back to us. So that's, that's it. And rest is volunteers coming alongside of us. They're bagging that, the food for the kids. They're sorting the food. They're delivering the food. When we do our back to school program, which we just did for 250 kids, we had 40 volunteers show up the day of um, because we don't just hand out a backpack full of school supplies. We spend time teaching families about bullying. Uh, we teach families about um, how important sleep is and routines are for the children. My background in, in education um, is just something that my whole team has embraced um, as well as the community. So we're always educating as we're going. Same with Feed the Children, which is a program we run in the summer. And we do Feed the Children because um, during the summer months, the kids don't get the breakfast and lunch programs, yes. right? They close. So every four weeks, we give out four weeks worth of groceries, Mike. And wow. we have the families come over to the center. And again, there's education around nutrition, um, around physical activities that you can be doing with the children, around um, media safety, around um, not having your kids on their electronic gadgets all the time because of the harm that it can do with them around socialization skills. There's just, there's just a lot a lot going on, um, and you're right, I don't do this alone. I also have a, have a board of directors. That's what I was gonna ask you who, about. I know you are, have a board of directors. They are so. amazing. Um, and you know what, they stay. <laughs> my, yes. board, my board is a long-term uh -huh. board of directors. We've got uh, Mark Warnick on there, who I think anybody who kind of lives or moves in the South Bay or LA area knows knows Mark Warnick. Well, he was the mayor of uh, Lomita at one he, time, wasn't he? He was, and Mark actually helped me, um, gave me advice on how to get the shelter built. Um, Mark was very good about telling me to be humble and go in and ask the planning division, how can you do this? And he was right. That plan when I went in humbly and said, "Please show me how," they actually stepped up. Do you know that the planning division actually came and painted the trim on the shelter at the end? They were so invested because it w they saw it as part of their project wow. too. Yeah, and we were just very careful to make sure that it's a very beautiful home, and that it's quiet and that it fits well within the community. Our neighbors love us. They actually give Christmas gifts to the kids, um, and I don't know. I think. What I would want people to know about Community's Child is, is the reason it's named Community's Child is because it really relies on the community. We rely on people in the community to, um, we can't teach all the classes, so we get teachers that come in and, and they help tutor our kids, they help tutor our moms in math. We get um, people from the banks that come and teach the budgeting, right? How to, how to best move your, your savings account and how to make it work for you. We have them come. We have nutritionists come in and, and teach cooking classes. We have nurses um, come in and doctors and actually teach 
healthcare classes to the, to the parents and to the children. Everybody in the community has gifts, whether it's running a baby bottle drive where you collect loose change in it to help buy diapers for the moms and the kids in the shelter, or whether you want to come and help with a garden, or whether you're part of the scout troop and we just had someone do their goal to war and put a new fence around the house to keep the kids safe. So everybody plays a part. Right, and I really believe, my core belief is that it takes, you know, you hear that it takes a village. I think it takes a community, and when we all pitch in and make sure everyone in our community is healthy and happy, then we don't have desperate people doing desperate things. Our whole community becomes a better place for everybody to live. That's great. I just want to ask you one more thing. Can you give me uh Maybe an example of what you think is one of your favorite success stories. There's so many. Wow. Okay. One of my favorites was one I never planned for. Um, our screening process for coming into um, the shelter is, is pretty rigorous. And they're done by referral. Right, because we really want to make sure that the women are, are ready to do this program. There was one incident when we were first starting where the police actually showed up with a woman who had been in, um, in a domestic violence program. Her history was horrific. Um, her ex-husband was so violent that he had actually shaken one of their children to death. When that happened, um, that mom actually had a, a breakdown, a mental breakdown, ended up in the hospital and in the psych unit fighting to get, get back because she had six children that she needed sure. to care for. Um, she fought her way back, um, and then because of the domestic violence situation, she had to fight to regain custody of her children. She did that. Um, she was, had moved into a domestic violence shelter. They were helping her with saving money. And she had given a property manager, who she thought was a property manager, first and last, got her keys and was going to move her children and herself into her apartment in Long Beach. And when she stuck the key in the door, it didn't work. And she saw that there was lights on and was knocking on the door. Uh, long story short, um, it wasn't a property manager. He had stolen her money. Um, when she got there, uh, and, and you have to keep in mind, she had like a six-month baby, a two-year-old, like a lot of kids around her. Wow. Um, they called the police on her. She got scared, didn't want to lose her children again, and, and ran, but ended up stopping in kind of like the middle of a meridian right, with her children. The police found her. Um, she was so broken she could barely get her story out. They brought her and the children to the front door of the shelter in Lomita. Wow. And um, she was so broken like she couldn't even speak. But the story was so heart-wrenching that um, I took her in and her kids. And it took probably about three months of a lot of trauma intervention for her to finally be able to speak, be whole, um, along with the children. That mom, um, her area of expertise wasn't academics, but it sure was hair design. So she signed up to go to LA um, Cosmetology School, got so good at it that um, 
Marinello's noticed her and gave oh, yeah. her a $40,000 scholarship wow. to do hair because she was so good. She became so self-empowered that she became a public speaker and actually went out and spoke up to other women's groups. She went and spoke at Toyota and they were so inspired, um, they gave her a van right, for her and her six kids and helped her move on to housing. Um, she has since moved on to Texas um, and is working and has a home there. But that was someone who I wasn't sure when they first came in, Mike, that would ever make it. Oh, they wow. were so broken. Um, and it just shows you that with the right support, the right community wraparounds, um, women can overcome. That with all these services you provide, it's almost yeah. pretty hard to, to, to fail. To you fail, know? yeah. And so that, that's one of my favorites, but there's so many. So yeah, many. I'm sure there's millions of them. You know, I've, I've heard about your organization and I've actually seen you grow from afar. And it seems to be something where you're just helping a few people and now you're helping thousands. And I think it's really amazing that you, you've done that. You know, you're really an angel. Oh, I got to be honest, Mike. If God would have told me in the beginning when we were starting the shelter that down the road we would be serving thousands, I probably would have run the other way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it happened over time. And like you said, I didn't do this alone. I did it with an amazing staff team and with the amazing support of the community. And even you, Mike. I mean, we have, we've had each other's backs when you oh, were yeah. working for the Boys and Girls Club, Thank right? You. Um, we definitely work together. We, we care very much about our community. So tell me, if somebody wanted to volunteer, you know, being on your board, help with an event or anything, these programs you're running, uh, how, how would they be able to help? They would, um, Who would they need all, to contact just call them? the office. It's 310-534-4040. Um, um, you can reach myself, Tara, at extension 303. We will get out um, a volunteer application to you, or if you wanted to do, you know, a food drive, if you want to do a clothing drive, if you wanted to become a monthly sponsor, you know, because of the relationships we have with like the LA Food Bank and the different organizations out in the community, $5 a month will take care of a child's nutritional needs for a month. That's pretty right? awesome. So we really um, are encouraging people right now to think about being a child sponsor, whether, you know, when, it, when they want to do one child, we've got, um, we're, we're going from 200 to 400 this year. So um, we're really hoping that, that people might want to help with either food drives or sponsoring the kids. There's just so many things, so many areas that you can help. Just give me a call. We'll talk a little bit, find out what, what your talents and, and your passion is, and, and definitely we'll find a match for you. So do you guys have a website too? Or? We do have a website. Um, our website is going to be going down shortly, though, because it's going to be rebuilt. Uh -huh. um, but I w if you really want to learn a lot about us, go to our Facebook page. Facebook. So you want to go to the communities and that's communities with a Y-S child and the Facebook, right? And up it'll come and you'll get a really, just take a look at the pictures while you're there. You'll get a really good idea of all the services um, and all the smiles, right? That we're able to put on the community's faces. That's awesome. Thank you once again for what you do, Terry. We really, really appreciate it. I'm sure there's hundreds of people who have benefited from your organization. Community's Child is another example of some of the great ways people are making positive difference in the community. Uh, Tara, I want to thank you, your staff, your volunteers uh, are all truly angels. Thank you for being on Harbor Speaks today. Uh, today, uh, thank you all for listening. I, I love sharing this event with you. 
If you have an organization or a special activity that you would like to promote on Harbor Speaks, please email me at harborspeakspodcast at gmail.com. That's harborspeakspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you on our next show.